Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 18. Jesus was, was dealing with a few ragtag guys who um, had a, de a sincere desire to, to, to find out about God, but really didn't have the capacity to do anything about it. Um, they're just fishermen, not very uh, talented in any other ways. They weren't scholars or professionals uh, other than they knew how to catch food. That's not bad, amen? So he tells his disciples, and, and, and to show them, he tell, told the disciples in, in, in Luke chapter 18 a parable, and he, and he was telling them basically that we should always pray and not give up. Pray, don't give up. Um, prayer, you know, you always hear that sometimes, the cliche, oh, I'm going through it, and then right away the holy say, pray about it. And it sounds good, and we know that's true, right? But darn it, can you, can, you give, can you give a brother a hand? You know what I mean? Sometimes we, well, is there anything more? And, and, and so sometimes you can, you can get to a point where you just, oh, I'm tired of praying because it doesn't seem to work. You ever, you ever felt like that? It just doesn't seem to work. I've been praying. And I think sometimes we don't even know and realize that God answers our prayer until he answered it. Then you look back and you go, wow, he, he did hear my prayer. But in the middle of things, things get our way. You know, we have uh, life in general, have things that just sort of break or spiritual barriers that, that seem to cut off God's power. And it's, these are things not, that not the devil created, that we create, things that we do. There are also other things that we kind of put the brake on God, you know, the way we pray to God and we, we actually limit what God wants to do in our life. We put the brakes on, right? So, you, you know, when, when you're thinking about things like that, that can cut you off from God or, or not, I don't know, not necessarily cut you off, but make your prayers of no effect or little effect. Uh, it's because we need to pray about, pray this way before we pray that way. Sometimes we're always praying that way and not this way. Our relationship with others, they have to be right uh, before our relationship can be right with our Father. You know, and, and then that's getting deep because, oh, you don't know what they did to me, and they don't know how much I've been hurt. And you're right, I don't know. God does. And, but he still says that you need to make that right. So if you have, you have a beef, any, a bone to pick, you need to bone it, uh, pick it with um, God because that's what he says. Your relationship has to be right with others before your relationship can be right with him. That doesn't mean you have to go out and, you know, buy him dinner and have him overnight. But you have to at least be at peace in yourself with them. We ask God for things that we really don't need. And so we, we ask wrong. We miss the mark. You know, we tend to be selfish. You know, God, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Can you do this? And he can, but why should he? It would be the question, good question. And when God, you got to understand, and when God sees you, he's not just seeing you. You know, you think about it. When, he, when you pray, he has, to, he has to look at everything that you influence. And if he were to answer your prayer, would that be a benefit for everything and everyone involved? Because sometimes if you got what you wanted, it would hurt the person next to you. Do you think God's going to give you that prayer? I tell people that. If that were the case, the Raiders would be Super Bowl champions every year. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way, man. 
And really, if God answered all your prayers, could you imagine if God answered all your prayers, then you'd be in control, not God. Because if you if you said it, it happened, then you're you're we wanted to just, you know, change, take everything, every picture off the wall of Jesus or any quote and just put your portrait there. So these are things that 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 really break our effectiveness in prayer. And then there's other things that just stop God, dead in his track, because he wants to bless you. Now, and I, I've talked to most believers, and everybody wants to be blessed. Anybody doesn't, is there anyone here who does not want to be blessed? So let me ask the reverse question. Does anybody here want to be blessed? Yes, we do. And there's nothing wrong with that. We want to be blessed the Lord. I, I get up in the morning, guess what I do? I go, bless me, Lord. You know, amen, ain't nothing wrong with that. We got to be ashamed of that. But there are certain things that will put the brakes on that. You know, we say, God, how can you not bless me? Well, let's look at your life. And then you could probably, or we can probably find out why you're not being blessed. See, the way you pray can limit God's desire to, 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 uh, to bless you. See, some people lack faith. In, in, in James 1.5, it tells us, if you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. See, he wants you to be sure on your, on your step. He, he wants you to have a proper stride. He doesn't want you limping, thinking you're like a pimp, you know. No, he wants a proper stride. And if he's going to bless you, it's got to be in step. It, it has to be sure, sure-footed. You know what I mean by sure-footed? Because if you were to you'd ask and you're not, you're not confident or you're, you're, you're wondering, well, I don't know, God, maybe, you, maybe this is what you need to do. Or, well, maybe you need to do this. Well, no, 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 I think this... Why, why should he give you, or why would he? The Bible says that person shouldn't think they're going to receive anything from the Lord. Right? See, if, and he talked, what did he say? It's like a sea, the ocean. Now, in you know, Colorado, not too many people get to enjoy the ocean very often. But, but if you have ever been to the ocean, you'll notice one thing about it. It's big. I mean, when you get to the ocean, and if you've ever been in a boat, maybe go about five, six miles off coast, and you look around, you go, man, that's a lot of water. I mean, it's just like vast. And if scientists could harness the wave of that sea, somehow, if they could just control it, there'd be enough power for everybody. The power of the ocean, right? We'd have electricity. Because the oceans are just, just moving, constantly moving, just moving, and it's, it's powerful. We've seen when they had the tsunami in Japan, how that ocean, it, it sucked out, and then when it came back, it was like, when I was looking at that, I go, man, that's like, looks more like a, unreal, looks like, like a model, like somebody did it in a movie studio and just, you know, created that, because that can't be real. But, but, but the fact was that the ocean came in and just wiped out buildings, moved, moved entire buildings, two-story buildings, just moved it along. The power. So he's saying you got to be careful because you, if you're doubting, you're like that sea, and your doubt can hurt people, just like that tsunami. 
Could you imagine? God, I need this to be done to, uh, to, to, to Corey. And the next day you go, no, I didn't really need that, God. And then, but it's already too late. Right? No, no. The person that doubt, don't, don't think you'll get anything. So perhaps when this passage was written, they would look at the Sea of Galilee. Because the Sea of Galilee was, was known for this. One moment it could be calm, and the next moment a storm. It's kind of like the weather in Colorado Springs. You know what it is? Colorado Springs is a trip. Because, you know, they have to, we're out, uh, uh, Ray Lovett is our in-house meteorologist. And he was out there saying, there's a, this, this strange-looking sky, Pastor. And, and I was thinking, and in my mind, I'm thinking, this brother, no he's in the home. He's just, he done did too much drugs. He's, just, he's over here looking, he's over here looking at the sky. You know, I'm like, okay. And he goes, oh, you should see the clouds. And it's uh, the manipulus. And I, I, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this time he was right, man. They had a tornado warning. I go, man, check that out. You can see the wind. And then and the amazing thing, you can, you can see it. And like a half an hour later, it was beautiful, sunny. I go, wow, this place is weird. <laughs> right? But see, that, that's, how, that's what I'm talking about. It, it just moves. It's unstable. See, our faith sometimes is like that. Sometimes it's just like storming. Other times it's just all just calm. Right? One moment it reaches its high peak. Oh, God, I love you. You're the best, man. Me and God, me and God, I'll do anything, God. And the next day, oh, God, why? Why did you give me this woman? I mean, up and down and up and down, right? And the Bible says that person shouldn't think I'm going to give them anything. So what, that, that, what does it mean? That means we have to work on our emotion, our stability, if you will. See, when our faith is low, our prayer life will begin to be affected. Matthew 9, 29 reads like this. He touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Now, notice that. He said, because of your faith, I'm going to heal your eyes. He, they were blind, right? And then Matthew 17, a few chapters later, he says, you didn't have enough faith. First, he goes, because of your faith, earlier to people. Then, then later, he says, you didn't have no faith. Up. And down. He goes on to say, I assure you, even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now listen to what he's saying. If your faith was stable, if your faith was secure, if it wasn't up and down and driven by your emotions, nothing, let me say it again, nothing you would ask would be impossible. So if nothing could be impossible, and we've asked for so many things, that should be a clue to you, since they didn't happen, that your faith is lacking. Right? See, Luke 7, he says this about another woman. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In Matthew 21, he says this. If you have had faith and don't doubt. So it illustrates throughout the scripture, people going up and down, up and down. Several times, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. It's recorded in the gospel. See, faith is so important that Jesus once said, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. So what am I saying? See, if we're going to be a strong community, if we're going to be a family, then we have to understand that we need to pray for each other, not talk about each other. There's a difference, because there's some gossips, not, not in this church, but I've met them in other churches. 
They want to know all about you so they can pray for you. Oh, what happened to Sister So-and-so? Really? Tell me more. Not that I want to know. I just want to pray for her. Shut up. You're a liar and a fat mouth. Huh? No. We don't, we don't, we don't, I don't dig that here. If I catch you, I'm going to talk. I'm going to bring your name up here and put it on the screen. That person's a gossip. That'd be a good one, huh? Hey, the Apostle Paul said that. He was dealing with two. He goes, you know, I got these two ladies, and he mentioned them in Scripture. You can look it up for yourself. He goes, these two, I wish they would stop fighting. He, he says that. I said, well, Apostle Paul could do it. I could do it. Amen? Don't make me. I'll put your name and your picture. This is, this is damn Facebook, amen? I can, I can go on your Facebook, download your picture. Yeah, I got you. You can hide. Boy. We'll call it Facebook Fridays, amen? Hey. No. See, we need to make prayer a force. So if we want to make it a force, you need to look for areas in your life that are weak and say, God, help me in this area. Not, oh, God, pray for that person. This person really gets me mad. They just really get it under my skin. Can you, God, can you, can you help them out? No, no, no. You need to pray for errors in your life if you want to make your prayers a force. Not pray for people, other people's areas of weakness. Wives, no, you don't need to pray that God make your husband better. You need to pray that God make you better. And vice versa, husband. Don't pray, oh, God, the woman thou hast given me. No, you pray for you, for your stinking thinking, and then your wife will get better. Amen? Amen. See, what makes me lack the faith I need to get a hold of God? Uh, we, well, sometimes we're like that guy in Scripture who says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You, you, you hear that? He, he says that when he's speaking to Jesus. Give me the ability to grapple with the errors in my life that are not full of faith, God. I, I, I need to be more a person who believes, who can really trust. See, prayer, prayer operates in the realm of faith. Because it, it doesn't make sense that, uh, that we believe that we get on our knees and we pray to someone we're not seeing, pray to, to someone we never met personally uh, as far as in the flesh, and we're praying that we believe something's going to happen. That, does that make sense or logical? It makes, it's, it's very illogical. However, that is the most logical place we should be if we're spiritual beings and we believe Christ is Lord. We should be in there believing, trusting, Right? See, a lack of persistence is what hinders us also in our faith. You can't just pray one time unless you're Elijah or Elisha. No, you got you to gotta persist, persist, persist. Keep praying. Uh, uh, this is funny. It's a true story, but it's funny. Um, Pastor Steve, he, he would always see, he, we'd have an offering basket, and he would always tell us, if you have a prayer request, put it in the offering basket. Because I want to pray for it. And people write their prayer request and put it in the offering basket. And so one time I'm talking with him, and um, he goes, you know, there's somebody out there in our congregation messing with me. I go, why, Pastor? He goes, because they keep putting, pray for Frankie and Johnny. Now, our generation, there was a movie, Frankie and Johnny were lovers. You ever heard that one, Frankie and Johnny, right? Well, he would say, they keep putting pray for Frankie and Johnny. I don't know who that is. I go, Pastor. <laughs> I go, Pastor, that's my wife. She's, that's her son, Frankie and Johnny. He goes, not really? He goes, he starts laughing. Oh, my goodness, I thought they were messing with me. <laughs> she would always put 
Frankie and Johnny for, for like for years. Pray for Frankie and Johnny. Pray for Frankie and Johnny. Pray for nonstop. And Pastor Steve thought somebody was messing with them. Until I had to tell him, no, no, that's my wife. Because <laughs> she, she was persistent. Pray for Frankie and Johnny. Pray for Frankie and Johnny. Nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. Amen? Persistence, right? See, a lot of people, their prayer is not consistent or persistent. And they should be both and sincere. Our commitment to prayer should be a way of life. Because uh, without prayer, without prayer, you will never be the Christian we should be. Can't. Hmm? So we should pray like James talked about in his book. This is how we should pray. James 5.13 reads like this. Is anyone in, of you in trouble? Is anyone in trouble? Don't raise your hand. But if you are, James said, you should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone of you sick? He should call the leader, the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Now that's amazing. It's in scripture. Now, either we believe scripture or it's not. Right? And I, we read this and people read this oftentimes. But you know, some people won't do this because they're like embarrassed. Well, I don't want to bother you. We've got to let this, let this cross the line so you understand something. This is why we exist. That it's not a bother when you do that. You're allowing us, church leaders, elders, pastors, the opportunity to, to fulfill their call. So don't let the enemy lie to you that you shouldn't do that. That stuff, James says, if you're ill, then you need to get prayed by the leaders and get anointed by oil. And he says, that prayer will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Ah, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, there's some qualifications to the prayer of a righteous man. Not the prayer of a fake and a fraud and a full-time broad that comes to church and acts like a Christian. Because there's some of those, you know what I mean? No, th those won't help you. The prayer of a righteous man. Not a perfect man, a righteous. And good thing that our righteousness is not found in what we do. Our righteousness is only found in what Christ has done for us. Hmm? See, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man gives us much. It's powerful. Powerful, heartfelt supplication of a righteous man, the Bible says. Philip's translation said, tremendous power is made available through a good man's earnest prayer. Now, when I read that, tremendous power makes available. Now, I don't know about you, but, but when I hear things like tremendous power is made available when we pray, if we're right with God, so that it motivates me to stay right with God. Why? Because I want some of that power. I don't want to just live a, 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 a mediocre, simple Christian life. Are you kidding me? I've, I've said that. If that was all there was, was to live some kind of phony, just come to church and, and, and live a quote-unquote good life. Let me just tell you, if that's all there was to it, I would get loaded. I wouldn't, that, that wouldn't, I could forget this, might as well kill me. No, I want God and everything that he provides. If he says he's the creator of the heaven and earth, if he says that he's anointed me, if he says that I have his authority, then I want it. And I want to walk in it. 
And I want to see it move. I want to see tremendous power. If that doesn't happen in my life, either there's something messed up with me, which most of the time it is. I got to work on that. But if I do what I have to do and that doesn't happen, then he's lying. And let me tell you something. God is not a man that he should lie. So that means the thing I should expect is tremendous power. If I don't get it, then I need to work on something internally because that's what I want. You think I go overseas just because? No, because I want to see God's power. Does anybody want God's power in their lives? So you don't need God's power to go to work and have a career. You don't need God's power. All you need is some gumption and some discipline. But if you want God's power, then you got to get into where that power is needed. Where does God need that power? He needs it at the rally yesterday. He needed the power there. When we do three rallies in one day, he's going to need that power there. But he's not going to need that power when you're sitting down eating tea and crumpets and watching TV. Listen, you don't need God's power there. All you need is Colorado Springs power so your TV would turn on. So pay your bill. Huh? No, we want God's power. See, prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes me. And that's what you have to understand. It, like, if you pray, you're going to change God's mind. Are you kidding me? No, no. God already has a plan for our life. He needs to change us so we get in line with his plan. You don't pray God, all of a sudden he changes his plan. Oh, Al, Pastor Al, I didn't realize that's what you want to do. You should have told me sooner. Let me change the plan that I created in the foundations of the earth just to meet you. Come on. It's like I got to go, point prendole el foco, right? The light came on, right? Because now I got to adjust to what he had created for me in the beginning. So when I pray, I don't pray God to change what he's doing. I say, you got to change me, right? See, God's objective for our prayer life is not to change his mind. His objective in our prayer life is to change our mind. So we have to be persistent. Persistent. And your prayer has to have some kind of action behind it, right? Sometimes we expect our prayer life to do everything for us, you know, like, like, you know, like God is some kind of genie. Listen, God is not Robin Williams in the ladder. He's not a genie. Rub the lamp. No, that, 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 that's not God, right? He, no, when we're praying, that means we are suiting up and preparing ourselves for action, and when, once we suit up, because that's fair, faith and movement, you go, now you're praying and you're going to do something. Now you got God's attention. Oh, let me see what they're up to. Hey, now they're finally getting in line. They're praying for, they're going to, they got action in their heart. Now God has action in their, you see the action is in your heart. You go, okay, let me be attentive to their prayer. Let me, let me hear what they got to say. Hmm? Prayer must motivate you into action. James 12, 14 reads like this. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What, what has your life and what has your walk with Christ accomplished? Now, if you're new to the Lord, hang in there. If I'm offended you, good. 
Because if you keep coming, y'all get more offensive. Because I'm going to preach the gospel. That's just, that's what I do. I, I get used to it now. But if you're new to the things of God, once you get saved, God will save you. And he'll help you and he'll change you and he'll, he'll remove you from that pit. But he didn't do that just so that you can, you can be a better person. He does that because now he has a plan for you. And now you need to put feet to your faith. Do something. Whatever it is. Now, fortunately, in a ministry like Victor Arch, we have a lot of things you can do globally. Not just here. I just seen a picture of Jose. He was eating lumpias and rice in the Philippines this morning. They had church already, right? He landed. He's in the Philippines. He ain't never coming back. You can, he ain't never come back. No matter how hard you try, he ain't come back. You, you got to go. Amen? She, he's there. Well, but he's putting feet to his faith. Not that every one of you are going to go o- overseas. But darn it, some of you, somebody in here has to rise up to be a pastor somewhere. Somebody here has to become an evangelist. Somebody here has to go to Bible college and go to and learn and learn their uh, get some learning behind their belt to fulfill the call of God. Somebody here has to rise up and help me pastor this church. Somebody here has to do something. Somebody here has to put feet to the faith. Who who's going to do that? See, in a place like this, you have opportunity to put action to what you know. Nah, you can go to other places that won't pressure you or put, put that upon you, and God bless you. But you won't see God's power there. When you begin to put feet to your faith, you will see God's power. Hmm? So we're, we are responsible for action. See, my need is not faith and works. My need is faith that works. Hmm? See, people must prayer, must motivate themselves in action. Another thing that hinders a church family is, is we misunderstand how God operates. You know, we do, especially in, in, in this day and age in the United States where, where the gospel message is man-centered. We, we are so obnoxious sometimes that we think the only reason why God came here and sent his son to die on the cross is for you. I even heard preachers on TV, if you were the only one, God would have sent his son. Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. We're not, you're not, although you're important and you're special and you're all those things, God didn't do that because of you. God did, the Bible says, in the foundations of the earth, he had a plan. And his plan was to raise up a people that would worship him. Not because he loved you and he, you needed help and he came. No, his plan was simply that he wanted to raise up a people. Why? Because God is love. And what good is love if it has nothing to share its affection to? So God in the universe said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a man. But I'm not just going to make a man. I'm going to make a man that's all messed up. Because people say, how could you make a mess? That was the plan. His plan was to make you. He made you perfect, but he knew you would mess up. He gave you the ability to be perverted, wicked, liar, cheat. Why? Because he wanted those type of people that were perverted, liars, and cheats so that he could redeem them, he could change them, and they could turn and say, you know what? I'm going to love you because I lo- want to love you, not because anybody made me love you, because I choose to love you. Now he has a free will agent who could do evil but chooses not to, fight against evil, and chooses to follow God now. Now God says, now I have somebody I can give my love to. 
That's his purpose. Not just so you keep you from hell. Are you kidding me? If that was the case, hell wouldn't be enlarging itself, the Bible says. Hell is enlarging itself. Not because it wants to. No, no. God created hell for his demons, uh, right? And Satan, that's why, that's what hell was a perfect place for those, those the, the demonic forces. But no, but because men are so evil and reject Christ, the Bible says hell is enlarging itself. My friend, God doesn't send you to hell. You're a volunteer if you go there. God never sends anybody. We send ourselves. No, God wants us to be people of action, people of faith that we could stop or at least help somebody realize where they're at and why God created them in the first place. That's our job. As a family, do you care about your family? Hmm? Yes. So we, we don't understand God. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 reads like this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than yours are not our thoughts. Because I looked at the Bible, and sometimes you read the Bible, I go, whoa, this is cold-blooded right here. Man, this girl, J. Rao, that's a, that's a victory hour which treasure our darkness, right? That's a twilight treasure right there. She got so mad at this dude when he was asleep, and she was a woman of God, the Bible says, when he was asleep, it says he took a, she took a spike and a hammer and slammed the spike through his temple. Wow. I thought God was love. Because so, when you think of the, from your eyes, you think, God couldn't do that. Oh, yes, he did. He did do that. He used JRL. That's a bad chick right there. She should be in Victor Outreach. <laughs> Make all you lazy guys go to sleep so she can take care of you. Huh? See, God doesn't think like us. When he, when he used a prostitute, a lady of the night who would, who would sell her body to men, she used a prostitute to deliver the, the, the Jews, the, the Hebrew people, used her, and, and through that line of Rahab, a whore, came the line of Jesus. Are you kidding me? God could do that? Yes, he could, and he does, and he chooses to. Why? Because it's not for you that he does it. It's for him. Come on, how much glory do you get when you have a girl like Rahab? Uh, who was the, the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus? Think about that one for all you holy rollers, you know, all you re religious, righteous folk. Huh? No, God doesn't think like we think. Hello. I had a story. I, I shared this a while back, and I'm, I'm going to share this because I'm going to end pretty soon. St. Augustine, if you... Taking any early church history, he was an early church father. He'd been, he, had a, he had a praying mother by the name of Monica. When Augustine was growing up, his mother used to pray for him that God would get a hold of his heart. Any mothers out here to pray like that? God, get a hold of him. One day he told his mother he was going to Rome. Now that just messed his mother up. Because you got to understand, at that time, Rome, it would be like, you know, my, you know, my son uh, would say, Dad, I'm going to Las Vegas. You know, and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's what Rome was. 
And she's this is the whole this is a righteous mother. She goes, no, 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 no. You can't go to Rome. No, 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 no. So she knew Rome was a wicked city. And now she he was afraid, or she was afraid that he wouldn't be able to handle that city and wouldn't no longer be under her influence. You know, her influence. But you know, moms know everything, right? So she prayed. God, this is her prayer, remember prayer. God, don't let him go to Rome. Don't let him go to Rome. And then finally, God answered her prayer. He went to Rome. So while he was there, he came under the influence of a man by the name Bishop Ambrose, the great bishop of Rome, and he got saved. See, Monica's prayer was, God, don't let my son go to Rome because it's a wicked place. But that really wasn't her prayer. Luckily, God interpreted for her. Her real prayer was, God, protect my son. God, save my son. That was her prayer. So God's thoughts are not our thoughts. In her mind, don't let him go to Rome. In his mind, no, no, no. He needs to go to Rome. God, that's where I got it all set up. Because so you imagine how often we pray amiss? Because we, we think we know what's best. So mom's prayer was that. But that wasn't really her prayer. Now look, at when he went to Rome, she panicked, but God's sovereign plan was much better. And that's what you have to understand. When you pray, you have to know that God's plan is better than yours. Now I have a, a son who's in trouble right now. And I'm just sitting here, you know, watching him. But he's a knucklehead. And he, he, he's in trouble. So I'm thinking, okay, God, I don't know what you're up to. But that's my boy. And all I want him is to get saved. So whatever you got to do, even though it doesn't make sense to me, do it. Now, in my mind, you can just transform him and do whatever you got to bring him this way. But God doesn't work that way. No. Every individual has to make their choice. Right. So ultimately, even though this is what I want for my son, he may not want God. And he may end up dying and going to hell. But that's his choice. Nothing you can do can change that. Everybody has a personal choice. I, so I have to be prepared for either conclusion. See, I think that the last thing we have to understand is, is you have to fully understand God's purpose. As my panel player comes up. See, God is more interested... Oh, in the intent, huh? In the intent, or, or should I say like this? I'm sorry. God is more inter interested in the spirit of the letter than the literal tense of the letter. Are you with me? Because he, he wrote something with, a, with an ideal in mind, and we don't understand. You, you, we go to 1 Peter and we read that scripture and we try to figure it out, never really fully understand what was his purpose in the beginning. Everything rests on the purpose in the beginning. I don't start a plan. If, 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 if I'm, if I'm going to build anything, I have to find my purpose here before I even get out to the field and build it here. But we read a scripture and we base our life on what's happening here, never knowing and understanding what God's intent is here. So we're all mi mixed up. 
Do you understand why God is God? Why Christ came? Do you understand why you were born? Do you understand why, why, you're, why you take every day as special and use it? Because God has a, an intent. Hmm? So he's more interested in answering the deep desires than the obvious. In the Bible, there's many examples. Moses didn't get to lead the children out of the promised land, into the promised land, rather. God had a higher plan for him. Paul prayed three times for God to remove a thorn from his flesh, but it was not removed, right? But that thorn pulled God closer. See, the Bible tells us that in our weakness, his strength is perfected. When we're hurting and we're down, that's where God is the strongest. So what we need is grace to handle whatever God brings to us. Grace. Because he has a plan. Now, God may not give me my first desire. But he does it because he wants to give me his supreme desire. God's purpose always supersedes my prayer. So we need to get a hold of that truth. This will make a difference in your life. His purpose always supersedes your prayer. And we all have a lot of prayers. And we say, why doesn't God answer him? Because it's really not tied to his supreme purpose. Is it? You know, people, people are sometimes silly. They go, you know, they pray for cars. I need a car. Bro, God, give me a car. Listen. I pray if he gives you a car, he gives you a beater. And you see how happy you are with it. Just, just one that barely makes it to work. And you're going to say, no, God, I don't want that car. Right? See, because we want things, you know. Because, you know, we're all praying for a 70-inch screen TV. Because that's really important, right? Oh, well, God, you know, I, I really, you know, I have I had this nice stuff, but I want this. And, and so we're praying for things which we do it, but we don't need to. Uh, if we are tied to his purpose, everything and more than you ever desired will be given to you. The Bible says that. It's very clear. Everything and more. But that takes faith. It takes faith. So people don't have the faith, so they go, no, God, I know you'll give me everything if I just seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and everything else will be added on to you. But until that happens, I'm going to get a job and buy some stuff. Right? Isn't that the, that's the American way. And you can do that, but eventually... If you have a call in your life, eventually you're going to have to shift gears a little bit. Because God doesn't want to take that stuff away from you. Come on, believe me, they don't need that in heaven. We, you know, we, we, we cherish gold. In heaven, they walk on it. You know, we, we, have, the, we have a different priority. But he allows us to, to be who we are, false and all. He allows us to, to walk and struggle, but he expects us to eventually get it. And say, you know what, God? I need to put your purpose first. And he's not going to take nothing from you. He knows you, He knows what you need. Huh? He knows. See, look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Wow. Look at him. Do you think he wanted to be there? In fact, we know he didn't want to be there. He asked God, God, if there's another way. 
God, and he's praying. He's, the Bible said he prayed so much that the blood was coming down. There's another way. But there was no other way. He said, okay, God, what, whatever you decide, because I'm here for your purpose. See, God's purpose, again, always supersedes our prayers. So get a hold of them. Get a hold of the Lord. Um, God bypassed Jesus' human desire to give him his great desire. And his desire was that all men would be saved. I, went, I was um, not saved that long, a few years. It's right before I became uh, the assistant pastor. I was having this war, literally it was a war, with the Holy Spirit. And um, at the, he was telling me to sell everything. And I was like, I don't want to sell everything. But I knew, sell everything. Well, I don't want to sell everything. That went on for a while. Do this, do this. And little by little, it's okay. I gave, got rid of some stuff. That I, I thought I was getting holy now. Okay, I sold these properties. Right? I'm not involved in that business no more. I'm just working here. I opened my house. I, you know, I'm negotiating. I opened my house. I got some crazy people living in my back room. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. Are we good now? God says, well, that's nice, but I didn't ask you to do that. I said, sell everything. Okay, God, then listen. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm talking like I'm talking here loud. Okay, wait a minute. Because I knew I go, wait a minute. Look, I, I'm a good businessman, God. I, I can make some dough, me. I know how to do it. At that time, I was about 25, 26, no, maybe 27 by then. 27, living in California. I was making about eight grand a month. Had three properties. I was doing, I was doing okay. Like, God, I'm a good businessman. I'll tell you what, I got a deal. Let, I'll just keep doing these deals, and I'll, I'll give not just 10%. I'll give 50%, 50%, 50-50. Maybe I'm kind of naive, but I'm telling you, this is the talk I was having with God. Struggling, struggling. And I was driving to my, I had a, a Nissan 4x4. I just bought it. Brand new, nice one. I love that little truck. Mm, 4x4, yeah, I'm bad, 4x4. California with a 4x4. What do you need a 4x4 in California? <laughs> Anyway, but that's another thing. So I'm driving, and I'm having this dialogue, dialogue. Then he jumped in my truck. The Holy Spirit jumped in my truck. It was, it was so intense that I ran off the road by the new United Motors. That's now the, where they build that other car now? The electric car? What's that guy? The, it's not, te, not Thomas Edison, the other guy. Tesla. Te, now it's Tesla Motors. So I'm driving, because I used to work there. I used to work to all their, fix all their equipment. So he jumped in my truck and he ran me off the road, literally ran me, and I ran into a ditch, boom. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here, right? And I knew, I said, okay, God. Okay. I give up. I'll follow you. I'll put everything aside and I'll follow you. Instantly, everything moved. Everything stopped, like the world stopped. I looked around like, what am I doing in this ditch? I got to go to work. I got to go to work. I put the thing in gear and I backed up, continued driving to the gate. I came home and sold everything. Now, God may not ask you to sell everything. That was my calling. You can't have that one. It's mine. But God is going to come to you in a personal way. That's when we talk about a personal relationship. And he's going to ask certain things of you. 
What are you willing to do when he asks you? That's the question. See, I, I want a church full of people who have made that choice. Where you're at, at your level, in your time, that you've made that choice. That God, whatever you want, I'll do it. That's the kind of family I want. That's the kind of spiritual children that I want birth. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.